This is mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 10. The cop opened the door to the consulting room and directed me in with a little push that was meant to seem tough. You got ten minutes, he said. The long brunette seated at the table didn't even look up from her paperwork. We've got however long I say we've got, little man, she said frostily, and don't you forget it. The cop said nothing but made the tactical error of not running away. Molly Cameron looked up at him and smiled condescendingly as the lady of the manor might towards the deformed idiot servant boy. We'll let you know if we need anything, she said. The cop closed the door, muttering impotently to himself as he did so. I sat down at the table across from my attorney who put her papers away in an unhurried fashion. Molly Cameron did everything in an unhurried fashion. She moved like a panther that got paid by the hour. I liked her anyway. Molly, I said by way of a greeting as I sat. Not much of an entrance, Molly pouted. I thought we were having a dramatic moment. Thank heavens you've come, I deadpanned. That's better, she said, fishing out a pack of cigarettes and absentmindedly offering it to me. Cigarette? I took one and stuck it behind my ear. I'll save it for later, I said. They're like money in the joint. Molly smiled and shook her head. She lit one herself. If she remained true to form, she would barely smoke it, but would make extensive use of it as a conversation prop, punctuating her sentences with tiny gestures. Molly liked props. She liked anything that made it tough to look away from her. She wasn't needy, but she was the star of the show wherever she went, and she liked it that way just fine. She took off her glasses and considered me. The glasses were also a prop. I was pretty sure they served no function. She used them in court to quickly transform herself from attractive lady lawyer to smoky-eyed bedroom Molly. I had seen the impact the move had on jurors, witnesses, even judges, and it was a sight to behold. But it was all theatrics, and at this point, I wasn't even sure that Molly was aware of her moves. I admired tricks, but I disliked ticks, and had spent enough time with Molly Cameron that I wasn't sure which were which anymore. So, she said, how is jail? They don't think a holding cell is going to put a scare in me, do they? Molly considered this. They probably do, she said, but that doesn't mean you have to go out of your way to sit in it forever just to show them. They want me to name my client, I said. She nodded. Yes, she said. Let's get on that and get you home. I shook my head. Molly, my clients pay for confidentiality. Sweetney, she began. I have a general idea of what you make. If your clients expect you to be held indefinitely as a material witness to a homicide, they need to give their pretty heads a shake. Material witness, I protested. I didn't see a thing. Molly looked at me as if I were a fluffy kitten that had just done something adorable. And that isn't what material witness really means, and you know it isn't. You know something. They know you know something. Tell them what it is and get out of this mess. I can't believe I'm hearing this, I said. Would you just rat out a client? First of all, it would only be ratting out a client if your client did the actual killing, which, as we have discussed, you do not actually know. Molly, I began. Secondly, she said, running right over me, as if I were a punk in the witness box, I can't tell you the number of clients that I would love to rat out. 
I could tell secrets for days, and if I could, I'd start with yours and move on to clients who actually have real problems. I am forbidden to do so because of the sanctity of the lawyer-client relationship. Tell the truth, I said. How many of your relationships actually involve any form of sanctity? Oh, she purred, changing gears more smoothly than the new DeSoto. Is it girl talk now? I'm game. What's the story on your partner? My brows knit. I was going to have to stop doing that. My mother said it causes wrinkles, which meant somehow I was going to have to convince the world at large to stop asking me stupid questions. And good luck with that. I work alone, I said. You know that. Sure, sure, Molly said with a toss of a hair and a coquettish gesture with her cigarette. I mean the other detective. The one you were palling around with, fumbling in the dark with loaded firearms. All very naughty. What's his story? I shuddered briefly as an unbidden image of Molly Cameron wasting her considerable talents on Jack Justice sprang to mind. First of all, I said, squeezing my eyes shut to try and banish the horror from my mind's eye. I wasn't working with him. I was on my way to kill him. Okay, Molly said, making notes. Let's leave that out of your statement. I'm not making a statement, I said, and secondly, ew. She shrugged. You sure the lady isn't protesting too much? I frowned again. What is that supposed to mean? It means we're friends, she said, and if you don't happen to shoot the private eye with a lantern jaw, I fully intend to teach him a lesson I sorely need. Are you suggesting my way is clear? Oh my God, Molly, I said. Isn't there a circus in town or something? Couldn't you just kidnap a monkey? The maxim of law is silence gives consent. Going once, going twice, Sold to the deeply misguided girl attorney, I said. She shrugged again and played with her cigarette, thoroughly pleased. Or at least, with confidence that she shortly would be. Was I missing something here? Look, I said, if we could postpone plans for date night and just get me out of here, that'd be swell. Kitten, she said, you can walk out of here anytime you want. Tell Sabian who your client is and what you were doing across the street from a soon-to-be crime scene. He'll cuss you out for a while and let you go. You're sure about that, are you? I said. Did you kill Janet Timms? She asked. Don't be stupid, I said. Then I'm sure. Sabian doesn't want you. Well, allow me to rephrase, because simple logic dictates that he must, and badly too. Again, with the traumatic mental pictures, I protested. Molly, how is it going to look if I turn in my client? People who come to me expect me to keep their secrets. Molly Cameron shook her head. A principled hellcat, she said. I may have to revoke your blazer badge and secret handshake. How do you revoke a secret handshake, I asked, not really wanting to know. Shut up, she said. I have, at your request, paid a call upon your client this morning. She seemed positively giddy at the news. That I was in jail? No, Princess Molly smiled. That her husband's secret sex pot is extremely dead and the whole mess is likely to be dragged into the papers, leaving him humiliated and her with ample grounds for divorce thought about this for a moment. It was true. She considers the matter closed and has given me a cash payment for your time, including today. You are off the clock, Peaches, Molly smiled. I gripped my teeth a little. There isn't any way to do this without making it look like I caved, is there? Molly seemed surprised. Do you really care what Sabian thinks of you, she asked. Of course, I said, I'll be seeing him again. If he thinks he can get what he wants from me by throwing me in a cell, this isn't going to be easier for me or any detective he deals with for that matter. I wouldn't worry about that part, Molly smiled. Why not, I said crossly. 
The sewing circle has enough trouble taking me seriously. This will just add fuel to the fire. I doubt that very much, Trixie, she said, her eyes dancing. Miss Cameron, I said as if I'd had just enough of her lip, which was easy because it was true. Think about this just a minute, would you? You think you kicked in the door of an old boys club? <laughs> My old boys have guns. Every time I run into one of them, he talks to me like he wants to pat me on the head and buy me candy. I refuse to believe that is where they really want to pat you, she said. Will you shut up? I hate being out trixied, especially when I'm paying for it. Fine, she said, returning her glasses to the bridge of her nose and folding her hands very proper. You're right about the optics in this case. This has everything the papers adore. Sex, betrayal, sex, murder, and sex. I'm amazed no one ran a special edition. And the last thing you want is to be anywhere near the story when it breaks. Your client has washed her delicate hands of the whole affair. She has no expectations of you. If you hurry, you can be an irrelevant sidebar item that never makes it anywhere near the papers. Or you can sit in your cell and be the sexy girl detective who was watching the sexy mistress undress while the alleged sex crime occurred. Page one about the fold. What'll that do for business? Molly... Were you coming on to me just there, I deadpanned? Dream on, sport, she grinned. You always talk like you don't give a damn what men like Jack Justice think of you. So now would be a perfect time to follow through with that. I sighed. I don't care what he thinks, I said. I just hate to see him take satisfaction in being tougher than me. Molly Cameron laughed and threw her head back as she did so, showing an alarming number of perfect teeth. I wouldn't worry about that, Trixie. He walked out of here an hour ago. He what? I snapped. Made a statement and walked, Molly said, crossing her arms and enjoying my slack-jawed amazement. That rat bastard, I said at last. Careful, she said. That is my future temporary chew toy you are speaking of. That smug son of a Trixie. Molly was tapping her pencil against her watch. She was either reminding me that I was paying her by the hour or that the ship might be sailing on my hopes of keeping out of the papers. Either way, it was a good point. I nodded grimly. All right, counselor, I said. Get Sabian in here and tell him I'd like to make a statement. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end-of-the-week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of effus. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. Together.